Thank you for joining Mind Your Brain. The mission of this podcast is to improve the quality of life for those affected by brain injury. The Mind Your Brain Foundation is devoted to giving you tools and tips from world-class experts in the field of neuroscience and neurorehabilitation so you can reach the highest recovery that's possible. We also enjoy talking with survivors and their caregivers to give our listeners encouragement and hope. And we have such a story today. Last month, we talked with Patty Burton and heard about the trials and gripping challenges of being a mother and a caregiver to a young athlete that sustained a brain injury in a football game. Today, we are talking with that young athlete, her son, Patrick. Hi, Hi. it's good to be here. Uh, Thank thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to have you with us, Patrick. And I want to start, my name is Candace Gant, and I'm a traumatic brain injury survivor and founder of Mind Your Brain. And I'm also the executive director of the Mind Your Brain Foundation, and also a proud member of the board of the Brain Injury Association of Pennsylvania. Today is my guest, Patrick Burton, and he just finished his first year of law school at Penn State. But first, let me tell you that when he was 12 years old, he was injured in a football game, a concussion. This went undiagnosed for years and was improperly diagnosed and treated. And because of the delayed rehabilitation, he lost his balance, was confined to a wheelchair for years, gets massive headaches, hand tremors, and became legally blind. And at one point, he couldn't add two and two or tell you his middle name. So Patrick, that's a heart-wrenching uh, circumstance for a young athlete. Thank you for joining us today and congratulations on finishing your 1L, the toughest year in law school. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And they certainly try and weed you out in the first year. So glad to be over with that one. It's supposed to be smooth sailing from here for the next two, which is very exciting. Yes, uh, we're, we're so looking forward to that graduation day for you. So Patrick, please tell us what happened after your concussion when you were 12 years old. I understand from your mom that we interviewed last month that you went from appointment to appointment to get a diagnosis, traveling to treatment. Your health was deteriorating because of all this misdiagnosis. And all the while you're in middle school and trying to keep your grades up. So tell us, tell us your story. Tell us what happened. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you as much as I can remember. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that, that I've noticed, and I can't pinpoint the exact reason, there's a couple of theories that I would um, devise or come up with, but it, my memory from, you know, that period of my life when I was at my worst is here and there, you know, a lot of the stuff I don't really remember. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because of my injury or if that's just my body's way of, you know, internalizing, you okay, know, a very dark point, you know, in my life and yes. protecting, you know, my current self from a lot of the memories there. But sure. going back uh, to the very beginning, um, I was, you know, a young kid playing sports. I was very good. I played baseball, basketball, football. I particularly enjoyed football the most. Um, my grandfather was my coach. Football ran in the family. My mom was the cheerleading coach. 
it was just what you did. And mm-hmm. I never came out of the game. I played defensive end. I played offensive line and uh, special teams. Um, but I bounced around to a bunch of different positions, depending on who we were playing on any given week and, and what was needed. But uh, I remember it was it was like a, a hundred some degree day when we were playing at a local high school field um, in I would just, I can't remember exactly when it was, um, but for it to be that hot, it had to be some point early in the season, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I, I, I almost never went down. It was about once a year that I would come out of a game with an injury. Um, and it typically ended up being a Charlie horse or something like that, where, you know, you just needed some water, um, whatever the situation could be, mm-hmm. it depended. But it was about once a year, I'd have to come out for a couple plays. And it just so happened that in this game, I did. I got a Charlie horse, one play. I went down. I, I came out, got my water. It was a big game. I was beating up the guy across from me. We were on defense at this point, And I was getting a little frustrated. I wanted to get right back in the game because I had noticed that they stopped running the ball my way entirely. Uh, they were just running to the opposite side of the field to avoid me, which later on the coaches had, had told me personally that was the reason why. Uh, they just didn't want to come my way. Yeah. Yeah. They're afraid already. Yeah. So I got my water. I chugged as much as I could. And then I went up to the coach. Hey, you know, can I get back in? You know, I'm ready. You know, got it. Yeah. And so they sent me, coach. exactly. Yeah. So they <laughs> sent me back in a couple plays later. Um, after I begged a little bit and, uh, it was just a couple plays after I had gone down for that, maybe three or four. Uh, and we were still on defense and I just was frustrated and I took the guy across from me. He was the tight end, I think. And I just threw him on the ground. I was way bigger than him. And I just tossed him aside and I turned around and started running diagonally across the field, to catch up to the running back that had run the other way. And I didn't make it that far, um, maybe a couple steps here or there, but apparently that kid had gotten up off the ground from behind me, ran up and put his hands, one hand, I remember very vividly, which is is weird and always strikes me, but he had put one hand, his right hand on the backside of my helmet, right on the edge in between like the area, the neck area in between mm-hmm. the shoulder pads. It mm-hmm. sort of pushed up on my helmet with his right hand and pushed forward. And then on the other hand, he had it on my left shoulder on the back near my shoulder blade. Right. And just push simultaneously. And I wasn't expecting there to be anyone behind me. I had just thrown him on the ground. Yeah. There was no one else there. And I went down and I remember being dazed and upset mm-hmm. uh, because it was a, a, a clear cheap shot. And I was a kid, I played pretty emotionally. So whenever someone was cheating or holding or something like that, I, it just upset me. And I went down again. All the coaches came out. They were like, are you okay? Are you okay? And they checked me. They did all the stuff that you're supposed to. They took me out for the rest of the game at that point. They didn't let me go back in, regardless of what I said or how I felt. They were like, you've had enough. You've done enough today. We're Your winning didn't by like, work anymore. Yeah, we're winning by like 20 points. Yeah. Just take it easy. Sit on the bench. We yep. don't need you going down again. Yep. And back then, I mean, this was a long time ago now. I don't remember the exact year it was, but being 12, I'm 22 now, decade ago. Yeah. It, concussion testing wasn't like it is today. You mm-hmm. know, even then, uh, my grandfather ran the league 
the little league that I was playing in and he made sure that everyone was up to date, knew everything. Kids safeties came first and they checked me out. They did the eye test where you use your thumb and you follow it. Nothing. And we played on Saturdays and it was the following Monday in school that I really started to feel something. I had gotten about halfway through the day and I was struggling. I was getting a headache um and so I went to the nurse's office that was pretty unusual and I had done that I guess for a couple days of that week and this is where I sort of sort of start to get a little fuzzy Mm -hmm. but that had begun the process of going to the doctors and then the hospitals and they had checked me for concussions across the board they thought I had or needed a blood transfusion because there was something going on that my brain was getting eaten away by my body, like it with the flu. And, and so they were giving me a blood transfusion and all this other stuff. They thought they had fixed it. And along the way, we constantly asked about, you know, a concussion, could it have been something because of the close relationship to that game and all of a sudden having problems, you know, yeah. paying attention. Much of a coincidence. Yeah. It, yeah. So that's what we had thought. And we went on a, a tour around the East coast of the United States, to all the, you know, doctors, all the top hospitals that we could including, um, I believe it was Sidney Crosby's doctor, because at about the same, you know, time period, uh, Sidney Crosby had just gone through his concussion, you know, epidemic where he was down and out, you Mm -hmm. know, for years and no one knew what was really going on with him. He was struggling. No one ever knew if he was going to play again. And this is the best hockey player in the world, especially if you're from Pittsburgh, which I will say, you know, some people would argue that, but, uh, (laughs) and even he had said no. And, you know, it, it, I had continued to digress from that point. And I remember my lowest point was in an institute where they were treating me for conversion disorder, which is essentially your, your mind and your body thinks that um, something is going on when it really isn't. And it, it, it's hard to explain. I can't really remember now. I had gotten all the descriptions back then. And that was where I got my worst with all the therapies that they were having me do. It was I was there for about a month, I'd say, maybe a little more than a month. Um, For 12 hours a day, they were putting me through intensive therapies um, for conversion disorder. And I remember very specifically, there was one that they were doing, which had me lay on my stomach on a a sort of skateboard type of thing. Mm -hmm. And this was a a children's place, uh, a children's sort of hospital location. And so the carpet there was all these little specks of color, you know, each individual thread. And it was about maybe four inches away from my face because I'm looking straight down at the carpet. And after crawling along the floor, which is one of the therapies on the skateboard and the flashes of colors going in front of me, that was when I would feel my absolute worst. And they wouldn't give me any medicine. And I can say even medicine didn't really help me. Mm -hmm. Um, Tylenol and all that sort of stuff. They had had me on really intense steroids and things and I was taking fistfuls of medicine and slowly I weaned off all that but you know that was my worst point that was where I had fallen using the walker after having balance problems after all of those and so they declared me unsafe to walk and put me in a wheelchair there oh my goodness and And you walked into that to that institution and came out in a wheelchair exactly yeah And that's where I started to have my vision problems, where my vision was deteriorating. And that's also where I couldn't remember my middle name at a point. 
it was uh -huh. a conversation with my mom at, at some point while we were there and you know, I couldn't remember my middle name and I you know was a really good math student so when this accident happened to me I was in seventh grade now I admit in sixth and fifth grade and below I was not the best math student but mm -hmm. for some reason that seventh grade year with the teacher that I had and everything that we were doing it clicked math went from my least favorite class to my favorite class before I got injured I would have all my homework done before we even left the classroom when we had like a couple minutes left before the bell, I'd have 50 problems done. Wow. And they were all correct. And, and just snap it out of there. Mm -hmm. And then I went to the point of, you know, a year later, maybe it was, and I wasn't able to add two plus two. Oh my gosh. Simple mathematics was was tough for me. And so that was really the spiral down from there. And that I would say is probably my lowest point. We continue to travel around to different locations. In different places. I remember at one point specifically, they were testing me for a mitochondrial disease and they had taken 42 large vials of blood out of me. And I was, you know, in my teens, my early teens at this yeah. point. Yes. And it was at one time, and I remember I passed out because it was so much blood that they were taking out of me. I was just out at that point. So, you know, I've been poked and parotted and put through everything and gone to all the doctor's appointments as a kid, you know, it was really tough on the medical end and deteriorating. Um, but it was also tough for my family who had to go through yes. all of this with me. You know, I have three younger brothers that, you know, were seeing their older brother, the person that they had looked up to, you know, deteriorate, um, you know, my friend. Yeah. I was pretty popular in school when I was little based off of, you know, my family's pretty well known in my town. Mm -hmm. I um, uh, was really good football player, of course. And, and so those teenage years are vital oh, for yeah. building friendships and stuff like that. And I had missed all of that because my friends were scared to come around me. No one knew what was going on. Um, and, you know, and so I had lost contact with a lot of them. Oh, and, that, and, and so that was really the, the, the drop off there. And I could continue going on, but I don't know if you want to talk about anything specific there but that was that was the the drop off to my worst point for sure and patrick so that was in high school or was that still in middle school for you this was in this was seventh grade which is the middle of middle school for us mm -hmm. and, and this went on until probably my sophomore year of high school where we finally um were talking to a doctor and technology had caught up a little bit and you know they had linked it back to and most likely the cause of whatever happened to me uh, was linked back to that concussion um, Years that I later. sustained, but no one had caught it at the time. They put me through all the testing that they had available, then all the EKGs, the brain scans, the x-rays, the MRIs, um, all the eye tests, everything that they could do to determine it back then, you know, had drastically changed up until that point. And, sure. and that was the determination made. So finally, then you're diagnosed in high school with concussion, with a head injury, a brain injury. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and at that point, you know, so in, in middle school, I, uh, at some point went to homebound, which was learning from home. And I had struggled there because the lady that was coming over really, I don't think was interested. I was really bad at that point. So I, I imagine it was probably hard 
to be able to work with someone at, at that level um, who, you know, would get a headache after doing 10 minutes of, of critical thinking and, and, and different things along those lines. Mm-hmm. But I had eventually worked it back up and mostly through that eighth grade year to where I was, you know, picking up more of a course load. And so my freshman year of high school, I began going back to to in-person classes at that point for one class a day. And over that year, I had built it up and built it up. Mm-hmm. And I was doing other stuff outside of, uh, of that. And I had built up my tolerance level to the point where at the end of my, I think it was maybe my freshman year, I was doing all of my core classes that were required. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing any electives or any extra stuff like that. It was just, let's get him caught up. Let's see what he can do. Um, to get them to graduate here. And so then I had made straight A's at that point um, with all the help and all the support system that was working with me at that point. Mm -hmm. I had a vision therapist who, bless her heart, she has probably impacted my life more than, you know, 99% of the people I'll ever meet going forward. She worked with me multiple times a week. She would come in, sit down. We would try dozens of different pieces of technology that were coming out to how can we read things better? How can we access things better? You know, how do you go about doing laundry? Um, How do you go about doing assignments and how do you go about advocating for yourself in the school system and teaching me Braille in case I needed to rely on that in the future, which, you know, those are all things that you don't really think about, but if you get into a position where you're really down and out and you, Mm -hmm. you have all these problems, which, are all associated with concussions and brain injuries now. Uh, those are things that you need to think about because the school systems, you know, can accommodate you, but you've got to push for it. And that really comes down onto the parents, uh, like my mom, you know, doing all of the research on the back end and then getting the right people around us and the right support system, which really helped. Yep. And I'm sure, I'm sure just the research to find that, because I'm, I'm sure when she originally started and you were misdiagnosed, she didn't know what the right do- diagnosis was. So she was following through with whatever leads and whatever, what the modern science would indicate would improve the, uh, the challenges that you had as a result of the brain injury. She's doing her best to get you help. Exactly. And, and health and family was the priority at that point and school comes secondary, mm-hmm. which is, uh, now we have impacted ink, which also deals with concussions and, and brain injuries and things now. And they're working with school districts in the state to, you know, try and implement some new protocols to help out kids that are going through this. Because the further we get into the future here, the more we realize the impact that injuries to the brain have on life, on personality, on people, on school, on academics, on future mental success, health. Yeah. mental health. Yeah, especially mental health. That's stuff that I've, you know, struggled with since then uh, in going through all this, especially high school, middle school, and even college. The older I get, the more I realize those Mm -hmm. impacts. Yes. You know, in middle school, it was difficult because you don't have those friends around you. You're flying around the country going to doctors. You don't know what's wrong. You don't know if you're going to die. You Mm -hmm. don't know if you have some terrible disease. You don't know what's going on yeah you get to high school and my whole goal going back to high school which drained a ton of energy out of me but I was going to put on a face 
every day that I went into that building because I did not want anyone to look at me differently. I didn't want any of my friends that pity on me. Um, I went in there and I, every room that I went into, Oh, how you doing? Oh, how's your day, Patrick? Fantastic. Amazing. Wonderful. Start oh, off with that Patrick, positive that's energy. That's hard to do every day. Yeah. And I think, you know, after all that time, it got built into my personality and that, that was sort of formed into me now because mm -hmm. I wasn't like that whenever I was younger. And then going into college, you realize the stress and anxiety uh, aspect, which Sure. I, I was never really someone that was stressed or anxious or depressed or anything. I had nothing to be uh, mm -hmm. about that until I was injured. And I think I suppressed that through high school and uh, through that middle school period. And for the most part, I think I forgot about a lot of those feelings, like I said, because I've got Gotta a, focus. a blocker in my brain uh, yeah. for that period of my life. Probably healthy for you. And, and so, Patrick, then you went on, you graduated. Congratulations. I, I'm going to say that 10 times over from Trinity High School in Washington, Pennsylvania. And then you went on to the and, and at this point where you clinic, your vision was compromised and you've decided to go on to college. You went to Lynn University in Boca Raton, Florida. How did that tell us about that choice of school? And then how did that uh, experience tell us a little bit about that experience? Well, I was glad to graduate because I really okay. thought about my junior year that I wasn't not based off of academics because I had come out of high school with a 4.0, but my accommodations for my vision and my hand travers, not being able to write or read mm -hmm. uh, text from the paper, I wasn't going to be able to pass the Keystone State exam in Pennsylvania, which at that time they had just gotten rid of the requirements or the opt-out ability for religious exemptions and other exemptions. Mm -hmm. So you had to take it. So there was just no way that they weren't accepting my accommodations. They weren't working with me. And so through a backdoor route after a year there, we figured out that um, the superintendent can sign off on any student that they believe has met the graduation requirements. And based off of my mm -hmm. academics, oh. I had easily matched that. And so mm -hmm. Uh, thankfully for him and, and my school district, they were able to help me out there. And the next step, of course, was college. I knew that was something that I wanted to do. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily. I just knew that the next step was going to be college. Yeah. And I knew that I had an interest in politics because of my work with Representative Newman and Governor Tom Wolf on finding that backdoor route for the Keystones. So I was looking at schools for that. And our first trip was was to a college in our area, which is historical, we uh -huh. might say. Okay. And they have 200-year-old brick pathways, which they were very happy about. But at that point, going on a tour in my wheelchair, I was bobbing along. Uh, oh, this my, is oh great. my gosh, right. So we knocked that one off, and we ended up working with a college counselor who helped search. And when we were in Florida on vacation, she had said, hey, I know you really don't want to do tours anymore. Mm -hmm. Go check this place out. And so we took a couple hour drive down to Boca Raton, Florida at Lynn University, went on a tour, and it was really fantastic. I was able to meet with the ADA director and talk with them and develop a personal relationship. So I felt comfortable, you know, translating my accommodations over to the college environment, which is a big worry for a lot of people. Yes, yes. They and also they have. That. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 challenging because, you know, they want to fight you at every point. And if you don't build up those advocacy skills. It's exceptionally hard when you get to that collegiate level. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, though, I had built those up. And so I knew I want to talk to the ADA director, set me up with a meeting while I'm there. And so it worked out in my favor. They also had an iPad program. So you get an iPad Pro in your tuition and you're able to um, do all your assignments on there. You're able to talk with professors on there, set up meetings, everything through the iPad, which was great for me because with my vision impairment, the Apple accessibility settings and setup uh, was what I was using in high school. So that Mm -hmm. I had used an iPad all throughout high school, emailing my teachers instead of turning in hard copies, them translating over, you know, their PDFs or whatever they find to Word documents to send to me. And so I thought that was just, that was going to be a smooth transition. They had the program I wanted and it made total sense. That's perfect. And so tell us, uh, and I know that you've gone on to law school, but what was the turning point there? How did how did that transition happen between your undergraduate and deciding this is a mission? I'm on a mission now to to follow my dreams of being going into the legal field. How did that happen? Yeah, so I didn't know initially that I wanted to get my my law degree afterwards. Even up until my senior year, I was still unsure that I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. But considering that COVID was coming along, and at that point, I sort of knew that I wanted to go ahead and take the next step in my academic career to go ahead and push me into those positions that I wanted, whether that be in government or in corporations or anywhere else, you know, a law degree really opens up a lot of doors. Um, At Lynn, though, during my three years there, uh, I graduated a year early from there. I, you know, saw great strides in me. in recovery, which had begun in high school, but had really started to ramp up. Uh, Academically, I wasn't struggling as much. I had gotten comfortable with using my technology at that point. I was in my system. Life had started to feel normal. Mm -hmm. I had taken up a lot of extracurricular activities. It was sort of my opening to, you know, define who I wanted to be going forward. Coming out of high school, you know, in my hometown, I was the kid that got injured in that football game a long time ago that everyone knew and grew up with, you know, and going down identified, going down to Florida, it was a brand new beginning. Yes. And so it was open doors and fresh air. And I wasn't traveling across the country to go to doctor's appointments anymore. I was happy with who I was. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, we're just going to, you know, go ahead and take it one step at a time. And that expanded in to working while I was there as well, getting my first job in high school. I never even would have thought about doing that. Um, Working in the admissions office there, which was really great, helping me, you know, build that professional aspect of my life. And I took an even greater step and challenged myself even more both physically and academically and culturally when I studied abroad for a semester, you know, who would have thunk, you know, a kid in a wheelchair would be able to go and fly over to Berlin uh, for, you know, those six months there, be able to get around, not knowing a second language because I didn't take those courses in middle school or high school. I was taking Braille instead because that was going to be more useful for me with my vision. Yes. And that was a wonderful opportunity to be able to, you know, really see what I could do physically with my wheelchair, be able to travel, be on my own, living in my own space, cooking on a regular basis. And it was also independent. Yeah, being independent. It was a great opportunity to to get into the politics of Germany 
and stuff that I hadn't learned before. So uh, it was a really great period of growth for me. And that senior year, I, like I said, I decided I wanted to take the next steps academically. And so we started focusing on looking at law schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and so can you tell our listeners, it sounds like you're, you're a font of wisdom now that you've had this experience. And sadly, sometimes that, that's the way we get smarter and we learn a, a new skill in our lives by our tragedies. So what can you tell, what can you tell the listeners about what you learned through all your trials? Well, there's a lot that I've learned. You know, it's unfortunate what I went through, but if I didn't go through it, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Mm-hmm. My family wouldn't be who we are today. The dynamic, who knows where I would have ended up, you know? And so I think for anyone going through you know, something like this, whether or not it's a a traumatic brain injury or concussion or something like that, that uh, you got to be able to have as much of a positive attitude and just take life one step at a time, you know, take it as it comes and learn that it's not that serious when it comes down to it. We put a lot of pressure, especially on today's youth and growing up, that you got to do A, B, C, X, Y, Z. And if anything goes wrong in that plan, it's the end of the world. And that's particularly true. You know, if you just got smacked with a major injury, your life goes haywire. So I think if you can take a second, take a deep breath and know that you've got a great support system around you and build that out, the answers will come and you'll be able to work through life. I don't know if that's what you were looking for. Yeah, that's powerful. I think that people, I think that's great insight that it's one chapter. It is. It really is. I never knew if I was going to be able to, you know, add two plus four, but I worked on it. Mm -hmm. Thankfully for me, I had the right people around me that were able to help me do that, which is a great benefit. And so I'd say, be thankful for your family and your friends and your mentors out there. And eventually I was able to tell you that was six. And then I started English class and, you know, got to learn how to do English when you can't see or write again. And then you graduate high school and then you go to college and then you figure it out and you just take it one punch, one step at a time. You're just amazing, Patrick, just amazing. And, and now you finished your first year of law school. You and your family must be so proud. Uh, I tell you, Patrick, Thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I know no. it's tough. I know it's tough reviewing some of the most difficult times in your life. You were such an inspiration. It, it is difficult, but it's important. I think nowadays, especially um, it was very difficult for me for a while to be able to share all of these details. But as I get older, I'm able to realize the benefits of, of sharing my story and, and different things to others and how it can help someone and, that's one of my ultimate goals in life. And that was one of my goals going to law school and even into undergrad at Lynn University is I knew that I wanted to be able to help other people one day. And by sharing my story, if at least one person out there in the universe hears it and uh, that needs to hear it, yeah. and I've made an impact or a difference in that one person's life for even one second, you know, I'm making the world a better place, which is great to know. And so hopefully I'll be able to take that into you know, the rest of my law school career and my summer internships and 
eventually a legal career in the future, which who knows where I'll end up or what law I'll be studying just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's the ultimate goal is to be able to help others. And this is a great way to do it. Patrick, you're just an amazing human being. And I'm, and I'm so honored to have you talking with us today. And I would tell our, our listeners today to please subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. There are millions that are still struggling that you could help by providing this podcast, this information. You can be a partner with us and with Patrick and lift up other people and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and leave us comments. And if you email me with comments or recommendations for future podcasts, I'll send you a gift. So please don't forget to give me your address when you give me your comments and recommendations to info, I-N-F-O, info, at mindyourbrainfoundation.org. Please let us know what you're thinking. We would love to hear from you. And thank you for joining us today. Here's my virtual hug. You are not invisible to us.